Today's text is going to be in Matthew chapter 9, so if you don't mind, please turn there in your Bibles. We were in Matthew 9 last week, but we're going to move a little further, and we're going to read from verses 9 through 13, Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's word. And it reads this way, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him while he was reclining at the table in the house. Many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher Eat with tax collectors and sinners. Now, when he heard this, he said, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that. You have called the sinner, Lord, that you've come for the sinner, Lord. We thank you. A sinner is saved by grace, Lord, that we can stand in assembly and say it is well with our soul, recognizing that you met us one day, Lord. You called us. And now we are in your family, Lord. We ask that you would continue to work on our hearts, Lord, that as we hear your word, that it changes us more into the image of your son. Be glorified this day, O oh God. Let us leave here different than the way that we came in because we have a confidence in the power of your word because we recognize that it has led to our salvation, Lord. So do what only you can. Work on us and through us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The title of today's message is, Where Were You When Jesus Called? When um, Jesus had called some, they were fishing. They were in their, their trade and, and he called them. When others were called, they were with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God. And, and they followed Jesus from that point. Um, when Paul was called, he was on the road to Damascus. Um, where, where were you? Where were you when Jesus called? Because each one of those people being in different places came to a point where they recognized, I need this God. I need Jesus. And when we came to that point, he found us in many different situations. So with Paul, it says in Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 1, now Saul, who was, who was renamed Paul, was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. 
He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogue in, the, in Damascus so that if he found any men or women belonging who, who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. He replied, but get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. So again, the question is, where were you when Jesus first found you? Paul was in a situation where he thought he was doing things for God and he was about what he thought was God's business, persecuting Christians and, and throwing them in prison. And, and God met him in that place. Some of those disciples, again, were fishing. Some were searching for God and they were with John the Baptist. But we see here in the text that Matthew was sitting at the toll booth. He, he was a tax collector. He was what they called then a publican. Matthew served of the king, Herod, at that time. And he collected taxes for Herod for any goods that uh, passed through this road. There was a tariff. And that road actually was the same road of Damascus uh, to the Mediterranean Sea. So to function in this role, Matthew had to be quite an educated man. He had to know um, both Greek and Aramaic. And he was probably a man of wealth because uh, tax collectors would uh, collect for the government and also take a little uh, for themselves. And because of his occupation, he was, he was hated. He was hated because uh, Rome was over Israel at that time. They occupied Israel. And, and what Matthew was is a person that actually was a traitor. He worked for the Roman government. And he was despised because of that. Um, he was considered the lowest of the low. He, he was a person that was considered a, a sellout. He's hurting other people for his own gain. Kind of the way we would look at a drug dealer or, or someone of that sort. And he was obviously because of that an outcast. And yet Jesus called him. He, he wasn't looking for Jesus. He was sitting there about his business and Jesus called him and called him and said, follow me. 
Where, where were you when Jesus called you? We were all in all kind of different situations. Fortunate for some that were born in Christian households, they might have been around the word and they just came uh, to a place one day where the light bulb came on, where God opened up their understanding and they accepted him. But there are many others that were in all kind of different situations in their life. And in and, and those situations, because of how they're living, brought them to their knees and to the recognition how they needed Jesus. Uh, one of the things that we need to recognize is in fallen humanity, uh, we are in need of saving. We, we must be saved. Our, our humanness is something that uh, we really need to understand. Uh, we need to understand that we were made in the image of God and in his likeness and many attributes that God has, he, he has given us to share in. But there are many attributes of God that we don't share in. And, and that is why we need Jesus, particularly in our fallen state. It says in verse 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Matthew was going about his business. He was making money, and he decided, I'd rather do this, and I understand that doing this puts me in a situation with others, and I become an outcast, but I, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and take this money. But when Jesus called him and, and he came, there had to be some sense of, of brokenness in him. He had to come to the place where he realized this um, is not fulfilling. Uh, this is something that needs to change. The Christian life and ministry is, is something like an, an apprenticeship um, where, where Jesus is, is recovering our humanity through his, through his spirit. And, and for us, we have that ministry and we're called to, to do that and to help our neighbors and all of this. Is, is for God, all of this is, is through God, is, is with God, is, it's for his glory. And so often in our humanity, we get to a certain place where we don't, where we don't recognize our deep need for God. It says in verse 10, while he was reclining at the table in the house, Many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. The, um, the other gospels tell us that not only uh, were they all together, but it was a great feast. It was a great feast and it was in Matthew's house. Matthew doesn't mention that um, in his account. Actually, Matthew, throughout all the Gospels, 
never is recorded speaking a word. He never, he never spoke. We hear things from many of the other disciples, but Matthew, there's nothing recorded that he spoke. And even in the situation where in the other gospels it says it was a great feast, it was in Matthew's house, for Matthew to just say, while he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. Why, why, why would he, he do that? He, he did that because it was not about him. Uh, it was not about even how he honored Jesus. It was not about um, what he did for Jesus, just like it's not about that for us. It, it was about Jesus, even that the book of Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, it, it, it matters. Uh, Matthew wrote to the Jews uh, and, and allowing them to know this is the fulfillment of God's promise. See, the Old Testament speaks about promise. The New Testament speaks about fulfillment, and there needs to be a bridge from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and, and that's what Matthew did. But as we look at the scene in that house where Matthew's old associates were there, along with Jesus and the disciples, it, it paints actually a beautiful picture because one of the things that we see is Matthew invited Jesus. He welcomed Jesus. And once you welcome Jesus, you welcome those that are his. So, so, so him having to walk with Jesus and making that decision as Jesus opened his eyes and called him, he embraced those that were with Jesus. And we, and we must do the same. Uh, it, it's not for us to, to walk with Jesus and not be with his people, uh, not want his people. So many people claim to love God, but they don't love the people of God. They don't embrace the assembly. Uh, they don't even feel they need the assembly, but here we see that wasn't the case at all. And then it says that there were tax collectors and sinners also in the house. And, and, and that is because Matthew, once his eyes were open, he wanted his old associations to know who this Jesus was. So, so he opened the door for them to come and meet this Jesus. But there's uh, even a more beautiful picture there. It, it doesn't matter if you've been walking with the Lord for 70 years or for one day. There are certain things that are given to us all from the babe in Christ that's been walking one day or for the full-grown, mature Christian that has been walking with God uh, for many years of their life. For, for both of them, they were 
bought with the blood of Jesus. For, for both of them, they are God's adopted children. They stand level at that place. One of the things that happened to me many years ago uh, when I started to really think about who God is and switch my thought from I love God because of all he's done for me to I love God because of who he is. There needs to be a transition in our hearts and minds at some point in that. And it happened to me in, in an odd way. Uh, we uh, have a daughter, her name is Gloria, and uh, she is from Zambia, Africa. And we were there uh, with our sons, my wife and myself and, and our two sons. And, and one of our sons was 11. The other one was a, about to turn 10. And we, we adopted Gloria. She was three months old. And I got to spend two months with, two weeks with Gloria and then Jesse and the boys and Gloria went home and I stayed in Zambia for another three months to continue the work that I was doing. And in that time, that Gloria, that I had only seen for two weeks, went home with her two brothers and her mom. Anytime I thought about them as a unit, anytime I thought about them as my family, I thought about her and my affection for her was just as high and I missed her just as much as I did my sons that had been around for a decade and my wife who'd obviously been around for longer. In terms of who she was, she was part of our household now. She was in our family. She was thought about and prayed for and loved on and missed in the same way that those long-running relationships were. So when we are adopted children by God, when I was looking at this scene with Matthew and just thinking about like who he was, how he was rejected by society, how he made choices uh, that were wrong, that other people could not stand him, that he was viewed as a traitor and all of that was gone. And now he is in God's family and he has the same status as disciples or anyone else that is in the family of God. That, that should give us great comfort because whether we've been walking with God, for a little while or a very long time, we are in God's family. A, a, a newborn baby is just as much a child of a parent than one of their children that are grown. That should give us a level of confidence and assurity and understanding 
like who we are. Another thing that we recognize is once we are walking with God, we are fully justified. Because justification is not a thing of degrees. Um, whether you're doing right in the family of God or you're having struggles or you're pouring out yourself as a drink offering for his service, we're justified. That has nothing to do with how you are walking and the struggles you either have or not have or the things that you're doing or not doing. You are justified because of the blood of Jesus. We, we need to grasp onto these things. If you're struggling in your faith and you have little faith, as long as God has given you saving faith, then, then your faith has brought you to a place where you're safe and secure because you are saved by the blood and you are clean. Your, your right to covenant mercies are just as much extended to you and it doesn't rest upon your growth. Now, all of these things are things that we want to make sure that we don't stay babes. So I'm not saying that. What I am saying is recognize that your security in God, his love for you, once you are in his family, are not predicated on these things. So going back to who Matthew was, that Jesus would come into his house, that Jesus would associate with sinners, with tax collectors, publicans. And his disciples were there. And to break bread with someone, some people will eat with anyone. Um, to break bread with someone means there's a certain level of closeness. And it, and it should. Uh, so as we, as we see this scene, what it, it says about who God is, um, is really, really beautiful. Your father loves you with an everlasting love. And that extends to the babe, to the most mature in the household. We are, we, are, we are to grow in God. We are to, as we learn who God is and love on him, it will motivate us to do. Because if it's time to grow up and you refuse to grow up, there are some things that you're going to have to face in terms of consequences. And it makes the load heavier for everyone else. In, in, in other words, when... Gloria was a baby. One of the things that they carry you in, in a place like Zambia, is called the shetenge. It's, it's a, it's a um, 
a scarf kind of long, something like a blanket, and you tie it, and the, the, the baby is either on your back or in front of you, and that's great uh, to be able to carry a, a baby. It's fine to um, have to change a pamper. Um, it's fine to feed a baby a bottle. There's joys in those things, but if you're 12 and I'm carrying you in a shetange, if you're getting that old and I have to go with you to the bathroom, if I still have to, to feed you now, now it's somewhat different. Uh, now, when you should be participating, when you should be part of, of the household and doing chores and maturing, um, now it becomes a burden on others. And you're not even getting the full benefit yourself of being part of the family. You know, you, you, you wait for the day when your child gets up and goes and starts doing chores around the house or, or, or makes the breakfast. It, it may not be the best breakfast in the world, but the, but the effort matters, right? It, it means something and they're moving in the right direction. And, and that's the same in God's household. But hold on to the principles of who you are in your humanity. See, because the reason we need God is because of our fallen humanity. And although we are filled with the Holy Spirit as God's children, there is a constant need there. And, and I believe that sometimes what happens is we believe that before we're saved and then we come to the other side and we don't hold on to that as tight as we should, recognizing that this is a constant holding on to God, God actually holding on to us and, and how um, we come to a place at times where if we lose that, different things happen. And we're, and we're going to see that here. It says, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? One of the things that we want to see here is that when we associate with Jesus, um, we're going to be asked questions about Jesus. That, that is amazing in itself that anyone would ask us a question about God. That, that, that we um, can know God to be able to speak about God. That, that, that's amazing. That's also sobering because... Um, when we speak about God, this is what we better be using to speak about him. In this instance, though, Jesus was there. And, and they chose to ask his disciples a question about what he was doing. And, and one of the things that um, I thought about when when they said that is people can always try to misrepresent things that are pure, deeds and words that are pure. They, they, they hated the tax collectors 
and sinners. They were, the, the, the Pharisees were very strict with avoiding sinners. Not, not so strict with avoiding sin. They, they didn't want grace and mercy to be extended to them because um, they thought in their minds who they thought they were. Uh, I, read a, I read a quote that said, they, they underestimated ordinary people seeking entitled praise because of their so-called service to God who the Pharisees thought they were, believing that they were above others in superiority because of their religious service. Uh, one of the things that we have to be careful of is, is when we try um, to be an exception to the human race, um, because what that does is it encourages arrogance. It encourages arrogance. It could also put us in a place where, where we burn out because we're trying to prove that we don't have flaws. And that is not the human condition. Not only uh, does it bring us to a place where we try and try and try and, and not show our vulnerabilities and our flaws, but it could even put us in a place where it put them but they thought they had no need for Jesus. Even sometimes the, the believer uh, believes that um, this is a program to kind of fix them up and, and that like they can take it from here with certain things. We have to be very, very careful with that. We are all fallen humans in need of a savior and 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 we are human remember what john the baptist said when they asked him who he was he said i am not the christ we we have to remember that because when we fully recognize who we are as humans it it gives us a full of picture of how different God is and our need for him through it all every single day as we walk this out. It also eliminates some of the things that we feel um, when we fail and with our shortcomings and why we need each other and why God has put so many different members in the body to function in a completeness. That is because of our humanness. That is because we are not God, but he is. So often, psychologically, emotionally, because we try to press through our human condition and, and our limitations is why we don't rely on God the way that we should, is why we find ourselves depressed at times. And this is no excuse for us to just sin, act any way, do anything. Don't get me wrong. But what I am saying 
is, it shows our necessity for intimacy. Because as soon as we step back from that intimacy, we start having a problem. So as we look at this text and we think about who Matthew was, the condition Jesus found the men, and he called them. Follow me. And he followed him, recognizing the way I've been going. Although I've had some of the things that the world has to offer, I'm broken. I'm not satisfied. This is not where I want to be. And those that are going through these religious exercises, know all of these things about God, end up not knowing God. They're asking the question, why is your teacher with these tax collectors and sinners? The thing is, like, they were there as well. So I, so, so I wonder, um, them being in that place, what, what was this for? What was their motivation? And even asking the disciples that question, instead of going to Jesus himself, were they trying to draw them away from Jesus? Were they were so upset that they're following him around looking for every way to trap him? And even if those things were the motivation, that's sinful in itself while they're looking at others and speaking about their condition in life. He goes on to say, now when, we, now when he heard this, meaning Jesus, he said, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but it is those that are sick. One of the things that we know um, is if we have a disease and that disease is undiagnosed, it's, it's a problem. When we ignore the symptoms or when we try to apply the wrong solution, when we take the wrong medicine, those Pharisees couldn't even see their own situation, their own need for Jesus. But they didn't want others to have that medicine. Sin is a sickness to the soul. And, and transgressions are that disease and, and how it erupts. It's, it's what we actually see because of sin. And it does so many things to us. It's deforming. It kills, it kills us. It, it weakens us. We waste away. The, the beautiful thing about it, though, is it's not incurable. That, that's what's important. It's not incurable. Repentance changes our minds. Repentance changes our ways. And... The blood of Jesus is the cure. It goes on to say in verse 13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinner. He was quoting an Old Testament 
scripture in Hosea, Hosea chapter 6, actually, in verse 6. And it says, For I desire faithful love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. He, he told them, go, go, and, go and learn that. When, when we know things, but we're not living those things out, when, when we know something in our mind and it doesn't transfer to the heart, what, what good is, is knowing it? What Jesus was saying here is, is no, understand the heart of God. Understand the heart of God. Go, go and learn it. Practice it. Apply it. All those religious things that you're doing, obviously there's something wrong um, in the heart. You can come up, worship team. It is... Um, It is so beautiful to see that God finds us in our condition, like the condition he found Matthew in, like the condition he found Saul in, and, and opens eyes and brings us into his family, brings us into his household undeserving as we are. But if we ever get to the place where we believe that we've earned something, that we deserve to be there, that we're supposed to be doing certain things, we're thinking all wrong. And as those in the household of God, recognize your humanness. Recognize your imperfections. Recognize your weaknesses. It's okay to do that. So often, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we do. Because we are overcomers, we are. Because our life is not uh, dictated by sin, we are slaves to sin no more. We are slaves to righteousness. That's true. That, that doesn't mean that there aren't times when we are weak. That doesn't mean we aren't weak. God says, in your weakness, my strength is perfected. It's when we recognize our human condition that we can really have a freedom. Anytime I'm sitting there, and I'm sure many of you are, in, are engaged in ministry or doing anything that is above and beyond you, you don't rely on your strengths. You, you, you don't rely on um, your, what you've learned. There's certain things that are far beyond and above that. And all you can say is, God, do what only you can do in this situation. It says in Psalm 103, I was reading this this morning and it just so blessed my heart. It says, my soul bless the Lord and all that is within me bless his holy name. My soul bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity, 
He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. Thank you, Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, his blossoms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over us. Bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. Our need for God because of our humanness is so great. We couldn't save ourselves and he opened our eyes. He, he called us in the same way that he called Matthew in whatever condition we were in. And as we walk this out as his children, our need for him grows and grows and grows. One of the things that we know is as we walk with the Lord, we recognize how different we are from him. How great our need is for him. And how secure we are belonging to him. Would you stand with me so I can pray for you? Father, we, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, how you have 
come into the house of the sinner and eaten with him, Lord. Revealed yourself to him, Lord. While Matthew was sitting at the toll booth, even his posture represents his station, Lord. Wherever we were sitting, Lord. And you called us, oh God. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Whether we're a babe in Christ, Lord. Maybe even been in your household for a long time and still a babe in Christ. Or the most mature Christian there is. I don't even know what that is, oh God. That you love us, Lord. That we're safe and secure, Lord. That we are justified, Lord. That we have access to you, all of us, as your children, oh God. That you watch over us, Lord. That we are safe and secure in your arms. We ask that you would continue to grow us up, Lord. We ask that we would never take on the attitude as those that may in their head recognize their need for you, but function in their own strength, Lord. Let us never be ones to want our club, our set of people, and not look outside, Lord, recognizing that you have come for the one, the one that needs a doctor, the one that needs to be healed from a sin-sick heart, Lord. Let us never forget, Lord, how we continually need you and need to stay close to you to stay healthy. To walk in your will, Lord, to do the things you've called us to do. Oh, we thank you, oh God, for your long suffering. We thank you, oh God, for your patience. We thank you, Lord, that you're growing us up, Lord. We thank you for the great joy because when Matthew met with Jesus, it was a great feast. It's not a funeral to be in you, God. It's a joyous occasion, oh God. Walking and talking with you and communing with you, God, is our heart's desire. Walking in your will, Lord, is so pleasing. Where else can we go? What else should we do, oh God? You satisfy, oh God. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask that anything else that we have an appetite for, Lord, that you would remove it, Lord. And we would look toward you for all things, oh God, because we are in you, Lord. We are your children, Lord. And when we're asked, just like those disciples were asked about you, Lord, that we would have a word in season, oh God, that we would know you 
And it would be an overflow of our hearts, Lord, to be able to proclaim who you are and the mighty works that you have done and what you continue to do. And as the song we sang, it is well with our soul, Lord, because you are coming back. Let us so know that, Lord. And until that time that we would be so confident that the work that you started, you will bring to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. We thank you for holding us. We thank you for keeping us. We thank you for all that you're doing. Be glorified in every heart in this place, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you, saints.